Hi, welcome back to Sex and Life. It's a podcast that talks about sex and how we interact with it in our daily lives. Today, uh, we have Jen with us. Uh, hi, Jen. Hello. I've never learned your last name, so... Uh, I'm Jennifer Burgey. Burgey. Jennifer Burgey is with us today to talk about HIV and AIDS. Um, so the first question that comes to my head is, are you HIV positive? I myself am negative. Okay. Uh, then what encouraged you to learn about this disease? Because you, you've gone on speaking tours and whatever, right? Yes, I did. Um, I've been doing speaking since I was 11 years old um, on AIDS, AIDS awareness. Uh, that's, that's a really young age to be doing that kind of stuff. It was very young. I was a very young child to be starting it. I started right after my mother passed away, actually, and that was uh, what got me into it, wanting to follow in her footsteps and continue her legacy. And your mother passed away from From HIV. She had HIV, yes. My mother, my father, and both of my younger brothers were, at the time, uh, infected. That's pretty fucking heavy. It was definitely something to deal with, that's for sure. Um, I mean, being a child, when I first learned that my parents were infected, I was uh, eight years old. And I remember sitting at the dinner table when my parents decided to come out and, and tell me. And I had I didn't even know what AIDS was. I didn't know what AIDS, HIV. I was eight years old. I'd never even heard of it before. So they told me, and I kind of just went, oh, okay, and went back to eating dinner because it didn't affect me at the time. Yeah. Um, slowly over the next couple of months, I started to notice that um, my mother especially was starting to get sick. Uh, since it was when I was eight and she passed away when I was 11, her deterioration happened pretty quickly. So I, most of my memories of my mother are of her being sick, being ill, being... Um, and granted, this was back in the early 90s when my family came out. They came out, well, they told me about it in 1990. So this was way back when HIV and AIDS was still relatively new. People didn't really know much about it at this was, point. Was it still called GRIDS? Not at this point. At this point, okay. it was now called HIV. So for, for those who don't know, uh, GRIDS stands for Gay-Related Immune Deficiency Syndrome. So... Your parents were really out about it, right? When they came public with it, we were actually the first family in Canada that that was infected. Um, at that point, the majority of the people that HIV and AIDS affected at that point was the gay population. So a lot of it wasn't known in regular... Pop- they didn't have many statistics on how to, how to treat women and children because it was very new at that point. But So they've kind of felt that it was their obligation to kind of go out in the public and say, you know, it happened to us. This this is something that can happen to anybody. They did research and found out that it was, in fact, not only them. It was happening to other people as well. But it was so not well known at the time that they felt the obligation to go and tell people about that it can happen, you know. And, I mean, how did that affect your life? I mean, you're going to, to public school at this point. I was in public school when I first found out, yes. Um, and I remember going to school and sharing with my close friends that my parents had told me. And even they, you know, at the time, all of us were like, I don't know what it means. But my parents, you know, I'd be like, well, my parents told me and they kind of seemed concerned about it. So, I mean, I think it's a big deal, but I don't really know what it means at this point. 
And like I said, it wasn't until I started noticing that they were getting sick that I started to notice that, oh, okay, maybe this is a big deal, you know? And I didn't really do research when I was eight, nine, 10 years old, but I would learn through what was happening in my household. I saw the medications, all of, because medication was so expensive at that time, and we were already a low income family at the time. My parents were kind of forced to have to be on taking drug trials since there was so limited medication at that point for HIV and AIDS. If it was available, it was so expensive. So even though they were on the the disability drug plan that they could get their drugs through, a lot of them were still not covered by the disability drug plan because it was so unknown. So they would have to be on drug trials in order to get their drugs for free. So they were constantly guinea pigs, really, in, yeah. in the world of HIV and AIDS drugs at that point. And this is back when they were still using AZT. AZT, uh, DDT. Uh, I remember AZT being the really big AZT one because a lot the, of people considered it a, a, a death sentence, really. Well, and that was the problem back then was that uh, there was so limited medications for it, the ones that they did have for it, sometimes it was a toss-up between is the medication okay to take or are the side effects worse than the actual disease itself? No. I mean, your whole family, how, how hard is, is HIV to contract? HIV is actually not an easy disease to contract, which given my family circumstance, you would not know that because my family is kind of an anomaly in the fact that my, my mother gave it to her children through childbirth. It's actually only a 30% chance that an infected woman, and this was back in the 90s, mind you, it was only a 30% chance that the woman would infect her children through childbirth. Now, because of medications that are out now, there is a 0% chance. So a woman that is infected with HIV or AIDS can have a child and not infect that child. So your brother's got it through your mother. How did your mother get it? I guess through your father. Well, my father is a bisexual man. He was um, actively bisexual before my mother. So they kind of assumed that that's what happened, but they never really wanted to find out. They didn't... They. They were like me. They're very progressive. They're very, I know that everything can happen to anybody. Who knows? Maybe my mother got it from a blood transfusion one time. Like, or yeah. I mean, I, I mean, she didn't, but that's what could have happened. Yeah. So they, they didn't really want to know who gave it to who, because that would kind of play a game of, you know, you did Blame this. Game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you feel your family in Canada was, was paramount to a lot of the changes that have come along, like in, in spreading the information? Oh, uh, definitely. I, especially, I grew up in London, a very small town, which is a very conservative town. And our family is very well known all around London through um, the the speeches that we did. I, I did a lot of my uh, talks about uh, of public speaking in schools around London and, and the Middlesex County. Um, and just the name, my name um, at the time was Jennifer Newman. And just that name, my dad's name, Rob Newman, Jennifer Newman, Thomas Newman, Robert Newman, are really well known around London. People know who we are. We are the pioneers uh, in that area, in that district, really, of the, even though there is still so much work to do, because London is a very conservative town, even now. Yeah. Um, there is, there's so little knowledge there. There's so much ignorance um, because of the fear and the stigma that is surrounding it, which is what, I am now taking as my mission in my speaking and my and my education is that the stigma is what is really hurting people now. It's not HIV. It's not AIDS. It's the stigma. People 
the first question that people want to ask when you tell them that your family has HIV or AIDS, the first, first question I normally hear is, how did they get that? To me, I look at them funny because I think, do you understand what you're asking me? That is a very personal question. Yeah. If you know anything about HIV or AIDS, you're asking a very personal question. It's the stigma because of fear. People want to know how did you get it because they want to know that they're immune, that they can't get it. it I mean, and you know, you mentioned growing up in, in London, which is a very conservative town. What kind of support did you get for your, did your family get being there? Like, did they receive any kind of uh, emotional or financial help? Financially, they were uh, on disability. They uh, they were actually fired from their jobs when they came out as being uh, infected because it was the 90s and it was so early. Nobody knew anything about it. So their their workers and, and employers were afraid and they actually fired both my mother and my father. So they were on disability. They um, were like trying to sue them for getting fired? No, no, they didn't because they, I mean, they had their hands full at that point anyway yeah. with everything that they were doing. Adding a lawsuit to anything would just really encompass them and give them more to do. Yeah. So they just went on disability and started doing their speeches. That that was probably one of the reasons that prompted them to get into this, you know, with all this with all this negative idea around HIV and AIDS and and people being afraid of people with HIV and AIDS. I think they they saw what was happening to them and thought we need to change the view here. We need to be a part of this to change this perception. When you've dated and you've brought people home to your parents, do they, like, act weird around them or anything like that? Um, I have had people who have acted weird around them. I, I think, for me, I've gotten to the point where I don't introduce someone to my family until I know that that person is comfortable in it because I don't want to bring someone into my family who is going to make my family feel bad because I love my family. My family is important to me and I would never want to do anything to make them feel bad. And I would never want to be with someone who feared them because deal with for me, for me, I, you know, I grew up, I was eight years old when my brothers were one and two years old. If my brothers were eating a popsicle and they didn't finish it, I would finish their popsicle I'm still HIV negative. So uh, to me, the fear is so unwarranted. There is absolute, like the, this whole thing about people being afraid that it can be contracted through touching. Um, actually, I was on a, um, when we were young and when we came out, we were on a, a talk show, a daytime talk show called the Dini Petty Show. Love that show. Well, we were on that show and we were taping at 7 p.m. And then it was supposed to be Jean Chrétien taping at 10 and then little known to us, all of a sudden, just before seven, they said, you know what? We're changing it up. You guys are going to be on at 10. We had two children aged one and two at the time. And now we were not going to be taping until 10 o'clock at night. We wouldn't be getting home until about one, two o'clock in the morning. And we found out afterwards that it was because Jean Chrétien did not want to sit on our chairs after we sat on them. Wow. So it, it, this is the kind of fear that we were dealing with back at this time. Obviously now... It's a little different. There is a little, there is more of a, um, a knowledge base, mostly because of the medication. Some people even I've heard say, you know, that AIDS is not feared anymore because it's not seen as a death sentence. So people aren't afraid of it anymore. Yeah, but we, the stigma is still there. It's yeah. still huge. Uh, we, we had a guest on uh, when we were doing another podcast uh, who's been living with HIV for 20 plus years. So, yeah, it's not really a death sentence anymore. It's definitely not. My father has had it since, well, probably before he knew my mother. 
um, and they met in the early 80s. So he's still alive and well, and if he were to take an HIV test tomorrow, it'd actually come out negative because his numbers are so good. That's awesome. So, And it's the same with my brother. Um, you're talking about stigma. I mean, it's uh, a friend of mine was telling me a, a story about a spa that was really, um, no other way to put it, fucking rude to someone who, who had HIV. And, I mean, is that kind of shit, like, still around a lot? Like, even in some place like Toronto? Apparently, even in the books on, not books online, but articles online, people are even saying that the the chances, the, 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 the reason of people being naked and somebody touching a naked body, that's enough to be afraid for the person to contract it, which is just absolute bullshit because it, there's absolutely no chance that you can get it through direct touching. I've heard... Uh from a couple doctors that's something like 1% of the population is immune to HIV. I, I would be interested to see that, uh, that research. I, I've never heard that myself, but I, I mean, there are def- definitely, uh, different viruses that, you know, everybody's immune system is different and yeah. I'm sure that there are people who are immune to it. I do know that they, they now have the, um, medication where if you take it before interacting or having intercourse with someone who is infected that it will deny you from getting it so maybe that maybe there is some truth to that and that's where they came up with this medication i'd like to uh propose a question uh, by the way hi i'm joseph i'm the producer of the show um for the purposes of education and for making up for my own inability to research things Tell us about the differences between HIV and AIDS, because those two get brought up together a lot. A lot of, yeah, a lot of people it. think that if you're HIV positive, then automatically you have AIDS, yeah. right? And sometimes I think that those are actually the same illness because they get mentioned together. It's just like AIDS is like the slang term for HIV. So Which let's, I, let's deal with that. I can see the uh, how that could be portrayed because, yes, they are always mentioned in the same way, and that is because... HIV, which is the human immunodeficiency virus, is the virus which causes AIDS, uh, which is acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. So HIV virus is the virus that leads to AIDS. If you have HIV, you can get AIDS. It doesn't mean that you will. It means you can. If you don't have HIV, you can't go just from having HIV to AIDS. You will go HIV, then AIDS. So that's that's what we try and avoid and that's really what is not happening anymore people are really not contracting aids anymore people are getting hiv and then it is being controlled at that stage uh through the medications that are out now what population do you think in in canada has hiv there's a the number is staggering actually it's something like um 300,000 people in in Canada are infected with HIV. It's something staggering. Like, it is a a large number. Please don't quote me on that number, but I do know that it is something staggering. And it's it's just rampant in places in the world, right? Like, places in Africa or or South America, because they don't have the medical presence. Exactly. And that's where it spread more easily because they don't have the medicine. So it's almost like... In Africa, they're still the way that we were in the, in the 80s because they don't have access to the medication. So it's still... Or the it. information. Or the information. Yes, exactly. Now, 
How old were you when you moved to Toronto? Because you live in Toronto now. I live in Toronto now. I moved here when I was 23. Was it a shock to you to see how most Torontonians deal with it as opposed to uh, uh, being from a conservative place like uh, London? I mean, difference, uh, it was almost like I could take a, a breath of, it was almost like a relief here in Toronto. Toronto is so much more diverse, so much more accepting. Um, I mean, the whole gay district that there is, it, it, it's just, uh, it's such a more um, openly diverse culture, which, like I said, when I moved here, it was almost like, ah, I could take a sigh of, of relief and not have to feel like I have my back up all the time with everyone that I yeah. met. Um, because, yes, in London, I felt judged by most people. In Toronto, not so much. I, you know, in Church Street, there's the, the 519, which is a community center. Uh, just down the road from that is ACT, which is AIDS Community of Toronto. And then just uh, down the road from that is the uh, People with AIDS Foundation. And uh, great people in all those places, even though they won't come on the fucking show. It's pronounced better, not bitter. Remember that. <laughs> were, were there were there social programs like that in London? Very, very little. I mean, there's the AIDS Committee of London, and that's about where it ends. There's the HIV clinic um, in London, which is where there's doctors who are actually trained to deal with people who have HIV and AIDS. But other than that, there is really nothing. It's really uh, even even the um, the community in London is so. I like to say Republican because they, everything just seems so conservative and it, it, the gay bars even in, in London were regularly pepper sprayed because there was so little information about anything and everybody just, it, it's almost like it was the religious reason, you know, you're wrong. So I'm going to pepper spray you because you, your life choices are wrong. That's pretty fucked up. It was, so, in, sorry, individuals were being pepper sprayed? In the no, bars? the actual bar. Like, like they the, would throw pepper spray or they'd come in and pepper spray the place. And I was there like countless times where we had to evacuate and wait for the place to air out and then go back in and party again because it was being pepper sprayed. That's pretty fucked up. <laughs> pretty fucked up. Now, going to school in London was like, you know, you take sex ed classes and whatever, I would imagine. Were they at least spreading any information that way in, in classes? Not then. And that's what I would like to know what's going on right now. I wish that I could be a fly on the wall in the health classes of schools at this point. Because I feel like the information that we have right now is so... It should be so big. When I'm hearing these stories about um, articles online that are saying limit touching to people who are... This, this angers me because that, this is obviously just perpetuating the um, stigma. But... I feel like the information that we have on HIV and AIDS should be in the in the public school system at the base level. Learning about this from the youngest ages that you think that it's appropriate, which I think the younger the better, per, per, personally, my opinion. But um, I, w I would love to find out what they're teaching them about this because it is so, so prominent in our culture these days that it should be a part of the health class system. Um, and part of the reason when I was doing public speeches and I would go to Catholic schools, they wouldn't let me speak about condoms. I was not allowed to say the word condom in a Catholic school setting. That's, I mean, that's odd. Tell me how I am supposed to promote safe sex and, and 
and I'm not allowed to say condom. Hand jobs only. Kids, <laughs> just, you know, it's weird to. Abstinence. Uh, well, that's, that's yeah, exactly, that's, that's exactly what they wanted me to promote. Sucks, but. That's exactly what they wanted me to promote was abstinence, which I'm sorry. Nobody. Doesn't always protect you because back then, you know, if you got a blood transfusion. Exactly. At the time, that's exactly it. I abstained, but that wasn't really a choice. It was just consequence. <laughs> Too much Zelda? Not enough. <laughs> Never enough. I mean, I would think the only people that really we should be taught to stigmatize are, are gingers. Because they have no souls? Because they have no souls. <laughs> that's a callback to last episode. Yes, I understand. I was there. It was like three hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, AIDS education is still very, very important. Oh, I think it's almost even more important now, now that we have the information uh, and, all, and all the medication, all the information, everything is at our fingertips, but there is still such fear. And that is where what I want to... That's my message that I want to put out there. There is no reason to be afraid. Yes, protect yourself, but please don't make these people feel like pariahs. Because you can't contract it hugging. You can't contract it hugging. You can't contract it kissing. You can't contract it through um, oral sex. You can't contract it through... And even vaginal sex is not that easy to contract it through. It is... It really... the, The HIV virus must get into your blood system. It must. That is the only way that you will be infected with HIV is if somebody else's blood gets into your blood. That is it. Um, When it comes to other body fluids like semen and and saliva and vaginal fluids and stuff like that, the amount that needs to be transferred to the person is such a large number that it is impossible. There is no way that you are going to have this amount of bodily fluid put into the other person's blood system which is the funny part unless something like let's say they just had uh, a wisdom tooth pulled (laughs) okay (laughs) no it's an ex of mine contracted it uh, through oral sex because she had some dental work done it wasn't like enough dental work to make it you know like I can't have oral sex because it would hurt but it was enough to leave an open wound in her mouth and see, and I think that this would be one of those cases where it's very rare, which is like in my in the case of my family. Um, I, I went to, we used to have a cottage up north, and we, um, we were staying there, and there was another family in the next door cottage uh, that we didn't know. We were being very friendly with them because we were neighbors for the week, but we didn't know them. And then one day, my brother's HIV nurse just all of a sudden showed up and wasn't there to see us was there to see the other family. So then when we spoke to them, we found out that the husband had AIDS. Now the husband, while having AIDS, had fathered three children, all of which were uninfected as well as his wife. Wow. So this goes to show you what I mean, as it's not always easy to contract. That's See, and, and for me, uh, I've had at least three lovers pass away from AIDS-related illnesses. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we live, we die, right? And we go on, we learn. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that was always very, very interesting to me, you know, because I've, I've had former lovers in this many, many years ago, and I've never shown any kind of symptoms. I've, I've gotten tested like a million times, literally a million times. I believe you. And uh, nothing, you know, I, I got tested every three months. Yeah, and that's and that's what we promote, right? 
test yourself, protect yourself, make sure that you're, you know, being safe and protect your body like you would with anything. But it's not something that we need to go around thinking, oh my God, I can't touch, you know, people because what if they have HIV or AIDS? It, and this is the, the mindset that is, that is, that we need to overcome. We need to get this out, especially in this day and age. I can't believe it's 2015 and we still have the fear that we have around. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's, it's important to have a, a healthy, maybe not fear, but a healthy uh, attitude, a cautious attitude about um, but unprotected sex. Exactly. Very much so. But I think that involves everything. That doesn't just involve HIV and AIDS. No, People don't go around saying that chlamydia, about... Chlamydia, gonorrhea, herpes. Exactly. Genital pregnancy. warts. Pregnancy. Pregnancy. And that's the worst. That is the worst. You, you have this fucking parasite. Disease. You have a parasite basically living off you for 20 years, 40 years, in my case. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> But there's so many things that people protect themselves against. And that's what I'm, that's what I mean is that HIV seems to be the one that people are like, oh my God, you know, so afraid of all the other ones. It's the same thing. Protect yourself. Don't worry about the, the simple aspects of it in, in ways of like you just protect yourself in general. Just protect yeah. yourself in general. Be respectful to your partner. Be re- respectful to yourself. Do you think uh, that handing out condoms in schools is a good thing? I think it's a great thing. I think we should be teaching from an early age. So you don't sex think that promotes okay? more sex? Like have, is there something wrong with promoting more sex? Not in my eyes. In, but I'm not allowed school. around that high school anymore. <laughs> I don't see how promoting sex is a bad thing. I honestly believe that sex is a natural thing. People are going to do it. People are going to do it when they're ready. As long as it's not, you know, forcibly taken from them or something. But people are going to have sex when they're ready. And that's a part of growing up. And we shouldn't make them afraid of these these parts of life. We should tell them, give them the knowledge that they need to take with them, and let them live their lives. If they want to have sex when they are going to have sex, they will hopefully know to do it safely. This is something that my friend and I talk about on our YouTube show, We're Not Pros. Slide plug, but it's not just sex, but it's the idea of keeping information away from kids for fear of destroying their innocence or teaching them something that they're not going to be able to understand. They need to understand that the world can be a violent place. The world can be a harmful place. The world could also be a great place, too. But for whatever reason, it's like, Kids are, 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 are almost worshipped for their innocence. You can't tell them these things yet because they don't need to know it. Well, I definitely don't suggest that we go into a kindergarten class and start bringing in the condoms. I definitely no. think that this is not what we need. But health class is started to be te- taught at grade three or four, I believe. Sesame Street had a, a, a character. Yeah. One of the puppets had AIDS. I don't know how puppets contract AIDS. <laughs> um there is a hand up there quite a bit. Uh, they should be wearing a rubber glove if they're going to stick a hand in there and make a fisting motion. I know you're fisting. Uh, they can't see it. Yeah, they can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think having a, a puppet or a Muppet with uh, with HIV, would you think that was a good thing? Like for Sesame Street, or was that like pulling the trigger too soon? Great. I think that's great. I think, um, do they have a gay puppet? I think they should have a gay puppet if they don't. They're called Bert and Ernie. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes, it's okay. not in the That's, same bed. <laughs> that is true. Um, I think it's great. I think children should be not, obviously not shown things that are 
absolute, you know, horror, violent things, but shown life as beautiful and natural and diverse as it is. And we shouldn't hide everything from them for fear of, you know, I've got to protect this child from everything. They're going to learn about it. They're going to hear about it. If it starts a rumor around school or something and they don't know what it's all about, they're going to start spreading rumors that they don't understand. Isn't it better to have education out there? Isn't it better for them to know what they're talking about before they start hearing about it and then making assumptions on their own? Yeah. Were there a lot of rumors about you when you were a kid? Um, Because, I mean, your family was pretty open. Like, were you bullied or anything like that? I wasn't bullied, but I was asked many questions all the time. I was uh, definitely... Uh, we switched schools halfway through, um, oh, well, in grade seven, we switched to a different public school. After my mother passed away, we didn't want to stay in the same house, so we moved away. And the school that we ended up going to, they were shown a video of our family about uh, our lives and everything. Just because we were so well-known around, they thought they're either going to have heard about them or they're not. So this is a way to let everybody in on it so that there's not that whole rumor mill going around. So um, I went there almost having been, well, I was on TV to them. They saw me on TV. They saw me through a a news program that I was interviewed for. So basically they saw you as a celebrity. Almost a little bit. So I was asked questions all the time. I did get questions quite often. So like basically a D-list celebrity, like you're way cooler (laughs) than Carrot Top. Oh, of course. Well, I'm not a ginger. (laughs) Much props to Carrot Top. I appreciate the artistry that goes into (laughs) But actually, the school that we ended up going to, um, this is another element of, of the the um, fear that was back then, was that my brothers were going into, I think, kindergarten and grade one, respectively. And they, uh, because of the video that was shown, there was parents of the children that already went to the school who petitioned to have my brothers not attend that school. That's pretty fucked up picking on little kids. It it was. It was very it was it was a rough time and thankfully the principal was on our side and eventually when she got wind of this whole petition that was going on said, "You know what? If you don't want your kids around these kids, you can pull your kids out, but these kids are coming here." So thankfully we had someone on our side. That's excellent. It's I mean because I got to imagine being from conservative town, not a lot of people were on your side. We actually surprisingly were very lucky and I I'm I'm hoping that it's because, you know, like-minded people attract like-minded people. I think we found a lot of our friends and a lot of our people that we acquainted with were of the same mind as us because actually our next door neighbors, when my parents finally got up the guts to admit to them that they were HIV positive, they wanted to tell their friends before they started seeing it on news. So they, they told them themselves and it became a joke actually that one of the neighbors started calling my dad Hivpaws was his nickname. So, I mean, they took it pretty well. <laughs> Do you find that there's still, like, a lot of ignorance, though? Like- oh, hugely. Hugely amount of ignorance. It, and it just goes to exactly that. Ignorance, non-education, which is why that is what I am hugely promoting, is education, education, education. We need to know the ins and outs of this. And not just, it, it seems to me that every time I meet people in the gay community that they know so much more than people in the straight community. For a long time, it was, I mean, I remember going on a date with this fucking idiot and she was like, yeah, the gays should keep their diseases to themselves. And I was like, okay, date's over. Bye. Just that. And, and, and we live in Toronto. It, it's, like Toronto is the biggest so, gay well, population in North America. Was that? Was she from Markham? Uh, something like that. I imagine. 
But, you know, Toronto is the biggest gay population in North America now. By the way, Markham, if you want to open up an asylum, it could be the Markham Asylum. You're welcome. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Beautiful Batman pun. One of the things that I can't help but wonder about, and it's not just um, with the work that you're doing, but it's also the work that we're doing with this podcast, is that you have people who are ignorant, for lack of a better term, and we want them to know this, but it's not like they decide one day that they're going to stop being ignorant and then go find out this information. So how do we get the information to the people that need to know this, that need to be to have their minds changed? And we're, we're telling you the best information. Yeah. Well, what? best information is right here at Sex and Life Podcast. Up top. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I promote education at the lowest level. I think that we should be teaching the kids first. In as soon as health classes started, as soon as they start learning about sex and sex ed, it should be learned from then. We should start young with our population. They will grow up, and our population will grow up knowing more. This is why I want to. I want to know what they're teaching in the health classes. I want to know what's going on there because that is, I believe, what would change the perception of stuff like this in our society. Bring it from a child level. Maybe even the children will come home and teach their parents something. It's yeah. it's something that I think is what we need to have is at the base level. Teach it at the base level. That's that's what I find would be the best way to get it broad spectrum. Um, what would you say about uh, my answer to this question would have been to, um, even if we were to introduce the concepts in elementary school, it's high school where I feel like, they really need to start knowing about this because this is when they're most likely going to start being active. So like, what is it that, uh, how would you, how would you s explain it to uh, the youngest of the young? How would you describe it to them? Um, you know, I'm not really sure exactly. I'm not a teacher myself. Sure. I'm not sure exactly what I would, I would, I, I would like to know what they're teaching now and just kind of add it to that. If it's, I, I, I'm, I know I was taught about sex education in grade four. I don't know if that's, the, yeah, both that. We were, I mean, I was told about it, but it didn't stick. It's just everyone was just like giddy through the whole thing. It wasn't and something I, that I can see that at that seriously. Age. I can see that at that age. It's very, um, you know, children are still at the boys and girls are icky yeah. stage. See, so. I, I never went through that stage that girls were icky. And my mom, I think, explained it's you conception. Were into Sorry? You were into it. Totally. Icky? Um, <laughs> there's a little girl I used to walk around the building holding her hand, and every so often I'd kiss her on the cheek because I was a badass. Mm -hmm. I was like when I was four. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, my family, more so my mom because she's the one who raised us, very, always very, very open about sex. And, you know, she'd answer the questions succinctly and not give me any more information than I could handle. But she'd answer any question I ever had. Which I think is what we need. I think that is exactly what we need. Um, instead of biased opinions, a lot of parents, I think, and um, by no, I mean, I'm not saying that they're bad parents. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I think a lot of parents will try and tell their children what they want them to know, not everything that they need to know. I think they will just tell them what they want to know. And I think that that is part of the problem because if you're not sharing with your children all of the information that can, can be out there, then they will, they can grow up ignorant. They can grow up not knowing that this stuff exists, that there is a, a, a fear. And I'm not saying that I think that we should be teaching it as a fear. I'm just say, saying that we should be teaching it as a knowledge. Just, just know, just know that it exists. Know that we need to protect ourselves. Um, also know that 
it's not contract. You know, you can't. And that is not easily oven. contracted. Just let it be seats. known on exactly. Oh my god, I hated that one. And mosquitoes. And mosquitoes. Those those things. It's just that makes my head spin when I hear those ones. <laughs> Good fun. What about people who uh, say have it and they're having difficulty uh, confiding that in other people? That's a huge thing. That is a huge thing. I have a good friend of mine who recently, um, within the last two years, found out that she was infected. And actually, she found out she was infected when the police came to her door and told her that her ex um, was being arrested because he had unwittingly infected a bunch of women. Unwittingly? Well, I'm sure he knew he was doing it, but he wasn't letting anybody know that he Mm. had it. But I I do know that he knew. So... It's a, and I think that the reason that people are afraid to come out with their disclosure is that is because of the stigma, yeah. which this is all, you know, getting down to the base point. If we teach it at the base point, there's not going to be that fear. Then people don't have to be afraid to come clean because I feel like that's where it is. And especially when it's um, something out of the norm, which since it's normal or seemed normal for it to be, um, around the gay population for straight people they find it harder if they want to come clean about their status because it's so unknown and people don't know what's going like how or people don't know anything about straight people having it so then they're more afraid to come clean so if we have like i said the base level that stigma will slowly start to go away because people will understand more can you recall any instances of maybe someone trying to do the right thing and teach, but it just wasn't being taught properly? Um, in, in the school setting, you mean? It doesn't have to be a school setting. Um, I mean, I could see people trying to teach it and having, I, I guess, maybe having misinformation. And um, that can be just as harmful, really. If they, if they don't have the proper information, if you want to get the right information, I would go straight to the source. I would go to the AIDS committee of your, of your community. Um, AIDS committee of London, which is the, uh, regional HIV AIDS connection. Um, the AIDS committee of Toronto, anything like that, they will have the best information. And, um, I think it would be like learning from them, learning their statistics. They're the ones, they're the pros. They know their stuff about this. So, and they're going to have the, uh, be able to, to advocate for other programs that are helpful, I would imagine. Ex- oh, well, exactly. Not only advocate for them, but tell you that they exist. And if you're someone who is new to, new to being diagnosed and you don't know, where to go when you don't know what to do. They can tell you communities and, and uh, programs and groups that will introduce you to people of the same, that are in your same, same predicament. And, um, and, you know, put you with people who, who you can relate with, which will make you feel more understood. I I know PWA did a lot of really good stuff, even though they won't come on the show, Uh, but they're great people other than that. And, you know, I, I worked for them for a little while. It was a, a training program. And, you know, they have the food bank and they had uh, massages. And, you know, like they, they try and make these people's lives a little nicer because when, I guess, when you have it, especially, you know, when you can't get a job or if you have a really a bad case and you can't work, you know, these guys depended on the food banks and, and all that kind of stuff to... to uh, improve their quality of living. 
Yeah. Thankfully now it's not, um, it's, it's illegal to fire someone for their HIV status. You cannot fire someone because they are HIV infected anymore, which is a good thing. Um, and it's also possible for someone who's HIV infected to get life support now or, um, life insurance, sorry, which is amazing. That was back in the eighties. My parents never got eighties and nineties. My parents never had life, life insurance because it was, it was like, you have AIDS. Oh my gosh, you're going to die. I'm not giving you life insurance. Yeah. Whereas now it's not a death sentence. Now you can live forever with AIDS and well, HIV and not have the fear of contracting AIDS and you can have your long, healthy life. And you could die because you're hit by a car. Because that's much more preferable. <laughs> it is. Pre- well, well, I guess not. But <laughs> It's fast. <laughs> Do you have any dates coming up that you're going to be uh, uh, educating anybody? Any, any interviews coming up? Um, I just applied for a job through the um, AIDS Committee of Toronto. So I'm hoping to hear from them for a women's coordinator program. I'm hoping that they see me as a valid candidate for that position because I think it's uh, getting back into this. I feel like I'm being pulled in this direction right now to get back into my public speaking and my awareness. I've had a lot of instances over the last little bit that have just led me to know, okay, this is still not, our our mission is not done. And I, I'm feeling the pull. I'm feeling the, um, I, I have that, intense feeling inside of me that I, I can change something here. I, I need to put my, my, my experience to work and start cha- like put it, making a change. Do you think there'll, there'll ever come a time when you feel the, the public is, uh, has enough knowledge of it? Oh God, I hope so. And I hope it's in my lifetime. I hope it is. I would really like to see, and it's not only in AIDS awareness. I, I would like to see us be, accepting of anyone you know i i'm i'm even gingers even gingers i'm gonna retract my last statement even gingers i think that we you know one love (laughs) well jennifer thank you for coming on the show one last thing i would also like to request uh for people who maybe can't access anywhere local what would you recommend online for them to check out so they can get some good information all of those uh, organizations have online programs. The regional HIV, um, yeah, they have their program. Uh, it used to be called ACOL. So if you go ACOL.com, you'll find the London, uh, London AIDS Committee, TorontoAct.com, ActToronto.com. Um, and they have all of their online information. And they have telephone numbers and um, emails. So and even can- if you email them from, let's say, you're living in Kingston. And well, you call sure them, King- they'd be able to, to advocate and say, well, there's this place in Kingston? Yes, for sure. They will know the local places around there. They will know at least one place to give you, and then there's your starting ground. You you can go there, and if, it, if that's a closer place to you, they will know community areas yeah. around you. Because I mean, there's no need for people to be ignorant. You don't have to find out that you're um, HIV positive and, oh, God, I have to move to Toronto now. You, yeah. you can find your services where you are. Yeah. And really, there's no no excuse for misinformation these days. No excuse for for fear, really. There anymore. isn't. There is no excuse for it anymore. I mean, just just listen to uh, just go online and and look about HIV and AIDS um, awareness. And 
and the infection. Just learn about how it's contracted and, and just have respect for yourself and protect yourself as well as, as you would normally. Thank you, Jen, for coming on. Thank you very You're much for awesome having guest. me. Awesome uh, guest. On behalf of Joe and myself, uh, thank you for listening. And hopefully we see you in a, in a couple of weeks. I love to.